When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, what a night. Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night. You played the Strap in then. It's been a, a pretty interesting week uh, for us Spurs fans. So... I guess, firstly, apologies for having been out of your hair for a week, but it's been chaos. And uh, welcome back to Oh What A Night. You're joined today with Dan Kilpatrick in the Evening Standard, Hunter Godson, Jude Summerfield of 90 Min Fame. I'm Ben Haynes. No Shawnee today, but us four are going to, instead of breaking down the good, the bad, the ugly and the beautiful, we're going to try and break down the... Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday that we've just had ahead of the League Cup final. I don't know about you guys. One of the things I said to Hunter earlier in this week was, I feel like my brain has gone through the washing machine. Literally just sort of, I'm just about drying out now. Jude, how are you getting on, mate? I'm doing okay. Um, Bars and that are back open now, so I've just been pinting myself silly in the (laughs) evening to get through it. He asks if I drink. Yeah. Do I drink? Lager. Lager. <laughs> Premium lagers. So, <laughs> Jude, you, you moved from running to just pounding lager. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Just, just a very heavy and dangerous drinker. That's it. Just sprint, um, sprinting from bar to bar on the Brighton seafront. Oh yeah, it's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen that that Jack Pinate video for the song Second Minute or Hour, where he's just running along the Brighton coastline? Yeah, he's writing. He's like above where Concord Two is, dude, at the bit that shut. Oh now. shit! Yeah, yeah. Oh nice. Just sort of cantering Pinate. along there, but mm. instead of throwing water over his head, it's sort of like getting pint, pint, pint. <laughs> Hunter, how are you doing? You all right? Oh, mate, we've spent the whole week together, haven't we? We've been off on tour, basically. We've had an absolute <laughs> riot this week, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all right. As a, you know, as you're saying, it's sort of been a, a roller coaster of emotions. I don't think I'm only now starting to really realise that Jose Mourinho isn't the manager anymore. Because I've what I wanted. Obviously, I'll make I'll make everyone sort of new. I've wanted it for ages, and the fact that it sort of became part of a, a like a whitewash of news was almost disappointing. I mean, I'm sure we'll come on to it, but you know, if, if you know, I'm good last night, but last night was, it was lovely. So I'm good. And, and, and Dan, this is as far as news weeks go for you. Now you and I both were meant to be off on Monday 
And that <laughs> could not have been further from taking the day off, could it? It couldn't, Ben, no. It was very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, uh, I was literally in my walking clothes. And I do have, like, genuine walking clothes. I've got, like, walking trousers and, and boots and, like, a base layer. <laughs> So I was in all the gear in the middle of Sussex in the countryside about to go kind on Kind of walk. like Snufkin from the Moomins. <laughs> too niche a reference for me, Ben. I'm afraid. Yeah, that's too niche for me, isn't it? Right? You've got references I know for days. I've got an idea. I've got an idea of Moomins, yeah. Ben. I'm right there. I know who the Moomins are. I've got a Moomins tea towel I got from Oxfam, um, but I do not have knowledge yeah. of what they're called. Yeah. So they're what just, moved They're just you? Moomins. What moved you so much that you were like, I'm going to go niche with my tea towels? I don't even <laughs> well, know who these it was a nice are, but soddy. Tea towel and I was supporting whatever. Yeah, it's Oxfam. Yeah. 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 Look, look, you can't mock someone doing their bit mm. of charity. So anyway, mm. you're in your walking get up. I'm in my walking gear and I'm about to set off and it's a kind of loop back to the car. Uh, with a pub halfway and then my editor calls luckily we were still just kind of getting out of the car and luckily my girlfriend had a laptop in the car so I was I was called to action so I had to write my post-mortem uh, for Jose kind of outside a, a village coffee shop in the middle of nowhere in, in my walking gear in the in the blazing sun it was quite hot actually yeah it was um but I mean bearing in mind that when Postino was sacked I was literally on a, a Greek island without my laptop so I had to do a post-mortem on my phone um, oh my God. just kind of tapping away um, I think that was in the evening as well I think Spurs normally do sackings in the evening which is why Jose was was quite um, a departure from that and I mm. think when Pochettino went I've had uh, I was a little bit drunk uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> dude I've been on the beer so that was that was definitely much harder I, I can't complain um, about Mourinho given, given Poch's dismissal so let's Let's get into, let's get, what we'll do is we'll handle it sort of in chronological order. So the last time that we podded, we were talking all things Dulux after a pretty weird and and wonderful kind of 24 hours there. And we were looking ahead to the Everton game. Everton game rocks up on a Friday evening and we kind of said, look, whatever happens, don't let the football ruin your weekend, enjoy your weekend. And um, sure enough, Spurs, in terms of performance, very much delivered a performance in line with and consistent with, I think, pretty much everything that we had expressed. Is that fair, do you think, Hunter? Oh, God, yeah. And I'm saying that from a position of someone who just watched the highlights so much of that. I did not sit in on a Friday night and choose to watch Jose Mourinho's Tottenham play Everton. I was at a pub and there was a young woman on my table, actually, who was just so much more enthusiastic about it than me. It's not even close. She was like, oh, it's too all, oh, it's too all now. This, oh, Harry Kane's gone injured. And I was just like, yeah, all right, cool. I'll be back. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll be back in next week. I'm sure, I'll, you know, I'll watch the highlights. But at the time I was just like, it's just more of the same. And I looked at, I was looking at the sort of possession and the stats after. So I was like, we're just not, clearly we're not doing it. But I can't pretend that I sat and watched the, watched the game. Are you trying to tell us you're on a date? Oh God, you know, no! You know, I was in a pub and there was a young woman. On no, no, don't <laughs> don't say that. There was, like, there was also you just no, got there was... in trouble for weeks. Now. <laughs> there was loads of people in the pub. It was just very evident. I didn't really know her. She was a big Spurs fan. I see, fan. I see, I see. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, 
I've seeing the highlights without Harry Kane, we don't we don't draw that game. It's, I think it's quite as simple as that. The first touch for his first goal, oh. I think, is massively underappreciated because it comes over over Keane's head and the reaction to get it first time off the left foot into the right foot. I thought it was fantastic, but it was more like the result itself. Two teams that flatter to deceive quite often, uh, although apparently quite a good game for the neutral. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure that's probably accurate. Actually, Jude, do we, what were your thoughts on the, the Spurs Everton game? Um, I'm in, I'm in a pretty similar boat to Hunter really because uh, a pal asked if I wanted to go and have some drinks in a garden with a fire, and I just said yes because I saw the <laughs> I saw the team, and you know we we've we've sat around debating centre backs at Spurs, and suddenly there are three playing, um, and we're going three four. One two or whatever you want to call it, and it just seemed like a bit of a mess. I was like, "Yeah, I, I probably don't need this. Um, I don't need this tonight." So, <laughs> I think it's quite so damning, just... though, isn't it? I'd I'd never miss a game. That that ever, mm. I would always, no. always, always try and watch a game. And I I had got to the point now with watching this Spurs team under Jose Mourinho, where I was like, it doesn't really matter because you know how the game's going to go roughly. Especially if you're leaving players out like Gareth Bale, like Deli Ali, you know, just on you know personal feuds, I just find it annoying. And so <laughs> when the two-two was done, I was like, yeah, it's more the same. Clearly, yeah, that... I was totally out at that point. So, and it just looked like a cane, a razor sharp cane mm. is what got us a point. So that's yeah. I mean, the, the, the the cane finishes Dan were sublime, weren't they? When you consider that he barely had a kick, other than that. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, you've got a full house actually here because I didn't watch it either. Um, <laughs> I, was, I mean, I, I was I was off, so because it was in the in the north, my colleague who lives near Liverpool was assigned that game, so that was when I took the kind of weekend off and went to to Sussex. So I've only seen the game finishes. So you've asked me the, the right question about the game, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, 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 having not watched a minute of it, I imagine it was similar to the Newcastle game where there was very little apart from two goals from Kane. Um, and I think, you know, there's so many games this season that from a Spurs perspective, we can look back on and say that should have been three points and, and that could have made a difference. And, you know, ultimately, I think it's looking at this point in time, like, you know, the, the chances are, Spurs are going to finish not far off the top four, but but not in it. I think that's a, a fair assumption to make. And, you know, the Newcastle and, and Everton games were definitely two of many that we'll look back on and think, you know, that should have been three points. That should have been four more points from, from those two. And it was really Kane against Newcastle kind of playing with a lot of... Um, rubbish around him frankly and, and I got the impression that, that Everton was was pretty similar to that just from reading kind of a couple of reports and, and seeing very brief highlights. Dan was that like the equivalent there me asking you that of going into an exam where you've only studied two of the topics and turning the paper and seeing that your two have come up? <laughs> That's, that was like winning the lottery yes. 
and I got away with that at university twice. And I was like, there, Did you? there's someone you smiling down on me here. <laughs> there is really someone smiling down there's on me There's nothing quite like that feeling, is there, when you yeah. turn the exam paper and you just see, like you, you scan through the questions immediately and you're like, utilitarianism, get in. <laughs> there, she's in. <laughs> Spanish, the Spanish Civil War propaganda. Yes, please. I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> honestly these are such white bread subjects yeah, exactly. it's unbelievable <laughs> so ridiculous um so uh yeah let's uh, let's get in then to the to the weekend so spurs come through that game with a tool and the, I, I guess and i'd assume um the 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 issue there is that we were going nowhere further either way, right? A draw against Everton away, if you want to make your argument to say that that's a good point, you absolutely can, because whatever anyone says, getting a point at Goodison Park over the years is something that's relatively decent. The Spurs have got a decent record against Everton, but point away at Goodison Park. Um, and equally, on the flip side, if you're someone that wanted to see more attacking football, well, you're a little bit starved of it because Spurs, once again, didn't really go after the game. And where there was opportunities, perhaps, to to make changes, to make Spurs more dynamic, they just weren't really taken. And that was a, a similar dance, basically, to what we had done the week before, because we'd we'd sat here and spoken about, I suppose, the Newcastle game, amongst others, with the same old, same old kind of discussion. Saturday comes and goes. And then we get into Sunday. Now, this w- was, I have to say, one of the most bizarre days that I've ever experienced. Jude, do you want to just give us your kind of run through of, of Sunday, how it kind of played out for you? Um, yeah. So um, myself and, and Chris of 90 men fame as well. He's a Chelsea boy, but um, we were on shift that day and it was about, I think midway through the afternoon that we sort of first saw the news of English clubs signing up to this Super League thingy. Um, and then suddenly we get messages from the rest of our team and it's sort of um, drop everything and just start hitting content on this for like the next day or so. Um, and, uh, and yeah, um, it, it sort of felt oddly end of days-ish, to be honest. It's sort of, I, I, I didn't like any of what was coming out. Um closed shop and you know obviously we we've all been over it a million times now but it just seemed just seemed bleak like for the future of football it seemed like i was watching something just burn um in front of my eyes um so yeah it was tough <laughs> it was a tough day and monday was probably a little bit worse but yeah i go on sorry. sorry i was just gonna say i wasn't convinced on the sunday when it started coming out I, I i had that reaction to was it in october when they'd sort of put plans out before and it sort of very quickly got so i was i was like okay they've done it they've done another uh you know plan we've seen these before i don't think anything i didn't think much of it to be honest. honestly it was like uh, it's a rubbish plan and it wasn't until they started pulling out of certain associations that I started giving it any credence. I was like, oh, okay. And then you started hearing about the law that the, the 23 years has been signed on this league. And I, that's when things started to become slightly more worrying uh, and, and much more real. Uh, but it wasn't until Monday that anything really happened, was it? 
Well, I suppose <laughs> I think the thing, the, the thing that stands out for me was, uh, Dan. I'm not sure if you were still awake at this point because it was quite late at night. But the statement came through right, and mm. when that landed, I, I, I was sort of just. What was your first reaction? What was your first reaction to seeing that kind of that picture on Twitter? Yeah, well, that was that was a kind of astonishing moment. Although, I think by that point we expected it, or I certainly expected it, because a few people have reported that they were going to drop a joint statement. I mean, I've got to say my initial reaction was exactly the same as Hunter's. Um, Martin Ziegler broke the story in The Times, and I just thought, oh, I've read the story a hundred times before. You know, not that it's not good information, but we all know that every time there's Champions League reforms coming up, which were obviously scheduled for, for a vote on Monday, we all know that every time this kind of thing comes up, the elite clubs dangle the threat of the Super League over UEFA and, and everyone else and, and try and use it as leverage and, and get a little bit more um, going their way. So I just thought this is that again. And I actually didn't pay the story a huge amount of attention, um, partly because as I've said a hundred times already, I was, I was off. So mm -hmm. I was just kind of half looking at it. Um, but then when I think... Um, Martin Samuel in the mail reported that they were all going to release a statement at 9.30 in the evening. I think that was a point where I kind of sat up and, and paid the story a bit more attention and thought, well, hold on, if they're actually going to announce something um, tonight, then, you know, this, this really is serious. Um, I can't remember when I saw the statement, whether I was awake or whether I saw it first thing the next morning. But yeah, that, that was a, an astonishing moment, particularly kind of on your club's website um you know and, and i say that as the kind of club I, I cover and you know the club i support and i just had no inkling that, that this was coming and i think you know a lot of people that, that worked at the club didn't have any idea it was was coming either it's just pretty rare that you get like a a club announcement like that that's just a massive bolt from the blue and it's just so kind of earth shattering um in its dimensions that but no one saw it coming at all so you know, I could have kind of easily seen that statement on the, on the websites of kind of Real Madrid or, or Man City and and even sort of Chelsea and Juve and, and, and just not been that surprised. But actually seeing seeing it on the kind of Spurs Twitter page and website was was, was slightly surreal and, and quite a quite a big moment. Yeah. Did anyone else, Hunter G, what was your thoughts when you saw that when you saw the the official club statement the sign pop up? Do you, know, do you know what my first thought was? God, how crap is that logo? <laughs> <laughs> how tin pot is this website that came off about, I think it was about an hour and a half later. I was on it. I was like, this is like, someone's put this together in like 10 minutes. And that's where it, was, it felt rushed. It felt really rushed. <laughs> a lot of it felt rushed. But that in particular was like, for you're talking about billions and billions and billions of pounds and the biggest football teams in the world, and you've, you've just got someone to go on like Squarespace and do the simplest design that they can find and go, yes, yeah, the Super League, we're amazing, look at that. But yeah, the fact they waited till 10.30 at night, and it was it was it 10.30 in the end? Or was it, no, it was slightly late, late wasn't it? Was it? Late. Yeah, yeah. It was almost 12-ish. Yeah. It was just yeah. it was pathetic, because clearly it's just that thing of like, let's try and slide this through, people be asleep, and then we'll try and crack on on Monday. But it was the start of what will be known as like one of the biggest PR disasters in, in world history. <laughs> Even bigger than Dulux. 
<laughs> Dulux is nothing in comparison. Dulux is in the mud in comparison to this. <laughs> yeah, in the mud, Dulux. So I had, a, I had a really, so I had quite an interesting experience with regard to the timings because I was in a similar position to, I suppose, um, Jude, but also you guys as, as well. Because when I first saw the news starting to float around, it felt like over the course of the day, it was like a domino effect of things sort of progressively moving in pace and also moving in terms of the seriousness of what was going on. And so when Sky Sports first did their bit of chat, it, it perhaps felt at the time that um, they were making quite a punchy statement that that really could have been based on a number of things. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was based on, I'm sure there's an element of self-interest in some of the coverage. I'm sure there was an element of just sort of being like, oh, this is uncomfortable because it's, it's my club in Gary Neville's case. And um, But equally, it did still feel at that point like this, was, this wasn't as big as it then went on to be. And I was doing a bit of work for Five Live in the evening. We usually record a, a podcast on Sunday night about 9 p.m., so we were waiting for the statement at 9.30 to record and waited and waited and waited and nothing happened. And so we record this, this podcast from about 9.30 through till 10.30, 11.00. And what was amazing was we, we recorded with the sort of the knowledge that this statement was going to come, right? And so we got very natural reactions from people. And by the time that the statement dropped, the podcast felt so out of date because the reactions actually suddenly didn't feel strong enough in comparison to the statement that had been delivered. So I guess my reaction in seeing the statement was like real shock that it had the capability in black and white to suddenly feel so impactful and, and so strong. And then I guess we go into Monday morning and the coverage was just, it was insane, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't, I, 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 I mean, we said it at the, time that it's probably the biggest thing that that has happened in football for 30 well since the premier league was formed or it tried to be at least so yeah the, the it was you know like you said visceral it was a it was a there was a a proper overflowing of emotion coming from every every which way just sort of denouncing what it was it's, it's quite nice because we, we live in a world that's constantly seems to be uh, ones that the right versus left, what my opinion versus your opinion, and it just felt like everyone collectively went, "No, this is shit. Let's not let's not stand for this. Let's do something. Let's do something about it." And and you know, you never know how much the fan fan you know, the, all the presidents have come out and said, "Oh, fan power played a big part," and you'd, you'd like to think it did, but I think you know the PR of it all is just so 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 out of touch. It was crazy, and that—that that was what Monday morning was for me. It was just like this, like my—you couldn't refresh Twitter quick enough for another good take from from a journalist, a writer. How uh, strange was that, by the way? Yeah, how strange. It was that like a, a whole week's news cycle mm. every fifteen minutes, pretty much on Monday. Yeah, like that. Every organization with any clout, every individual, uh, every kind of other entity in the game every fan group was just falling over themselves to condemn it and, and rightly so. Mm. And seemingly they had absolutely nothing planned in defense. I mean, Hunter alluded to it, but the, the PR strategy will, will go down in history as just famously terrible. Yeah. Um, they allowed the narrative to almost 
immediately be established almost before their announcement i would have thought on, mm. on sunday already once the news had broken the the narrative was that this was self-interest and greed and there was no kind of attempt to, to to change that at any point from any of these owners who all of whom and we it's a spurs pod so we have to say you know levy absolutely included yeah. are loath to do any kind of publicity and, and or oh, sorry that's the wrong word are loath to put themselves under any um, kind of scrutiny and you know will we'll never be interviewed or very rarely speak to a reporter um, and you know ultimately that kind of habit of a lifetime um, left this this vacuum that was just filled by condemnation. I like that they left the man of the people Florentino Perez to sort of <laughs> to sort of come out and be the front face it was like guys did you not talk about this before he's awful no one likes him <laughs> forgive me for getting a bit soppy but did anyone else find themselves like getting a bit overwhelmed like just sort of getting almost a bit emotional with like, with some of it yeah I think I mean I, I wasn't I don't say I think I, I was overwhelmed by what was happening from from the the Super League side, more from the the fan reaction and the journal, journalist reaction and, and sort of the footballing world's reaction. That's what I was like. I was more proud, I think, is, is the word, than because it felt like, it felt like, well, as I said, it felt like we were all on the same side and all pulling in the same direction. And that, that was, uh, it's nice to see. Yeah, I'd say proud of fan reaction, but I, I was quite angry almost with myself. Um so, for sort of not seeing it coming when you know the whole experience of a match day or you know the you know the com- commercialization around football has been just ramped up and ramped up so much over the past 10 20 years that it should have been something that was right around the corner and maybe you should have been able to see it but and then suddenly it just came out of the blue um but yeah i don't know whether and then the memes came then the spurs memes came well, I, I guess the reason why the reason why I I struggled with it, I think, is because it forced me very quickly to sort of just look at my own identity and how much I'd aligned of my own identity with this this product that so quickly had the power just to shift and suddenly not become about one thing and become completely about something else. And it was like going for an identity crisis in the space of 24 hours, whereas 24 hours before it was something that throughout the pandemic suddenly had become almost like a staple. Even when we've complained that there's been too many games or, or that at times it's felt never ending. It, it's one thing that has certainly been constant and consistent. It's definitely been a consistent thing in my life for since since I was a nipper, you know. So suddenly to, to be confronting the idea that it might be fundamentally changing from something that it composes such an important part of your identity yeah it just it really like it knocked me for six and then suddenly you get to lunchtime and then we find out that Jose Mourinho's gone and just <laughs> when you thought you didn't really have much more to kind of like offer the football discourse mm. like I suppose Dan that your your midwalk what, what who gives you the first nudge on Jose Mourinho leading I, lo- I, ju- I hadn't started the walk actually, but my my editor my editor called me, so I didn't get uh, I didn't get a nudge from anyone. I, I checked it out 
when I got a call after the news was broken by, I think, the Telegraph. Mm -hmm. um, so I started kind of making calls then. Um, and it soon became you know, very obvious that, that it, it was it happened. Um, it was it was good info. And then it just became a case of kind of waiting to see when the club would announce it um, and, and kind of, yes, yeah, seeing um, you know, who they'd put in and and what they'd do until the end of the season, really. And then kind of, yeah, getting all the, the post-Jose content in in order, really, and writing my, my post-mortem. So, yeah, it was... Um, I didn't really have a chance to think about the Super League for another kind of 24 hours, really. So all the rest of Monday and most of Tuesday morning was all spent on Jose. And then it wasn't until kind of Tuesday afternoon again when the first kind of sounds were well, the first kind of murmurings of, of, of cracks in the, the Super League, Dirty Dozen, started to emerge that I kind of got back on that story. So I pretty skipped ahead about 24 <laughs> hours there. Sorry, but um, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, my brain's frazzled. So, Jose <laughs> doubt. One of the something that is really interesting that I'm sure some people already know, but maybe perhaps others don't. If you someone like Prince Philip, for example, when he passed away the other week, there would have been so much content banked around the idea of mm. potentially his obituary, for example. I know where this is going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so feel free, feel free to take the bat on here so that I don't have to somehow wriggle out of talking about death. Yes, I did have a Prince Philip obituary ready. To <laughs> <laughs> Thank yes, you so we much. should Finally, do a Prince Philip podcast. <laughs> yeah, so, so I had written about half, half a, a Jose piece, but I had written it. Um, I had written it. Can I guess? After... Can I guess when you wrote it? Uh, yeah. Post Dynamosograph. Um yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Hive a, Mind. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. So I had a I had about half a piece ready to go. Um I mean, yeah, to, so to be honest, we had we had an email thread going around our desk um with a whole content plan for, for Mourinho sacking, and I had um I had quite a few pieces that, that I was um sort of down to write obviously um but uh, in my kind of complacency um i had actually earmarked this week to to get a lot of that done because because i well my understanding was that you know levy was very very reluctant to pull the plug until you know at least after the final and probably until the end of the season you know that was the, the kind of noises i was getting pre-everton um and and post United um so I've been a bit lazy I had a lazy week and I thought you know this week I didn't expect the Super League to come I thought this week would be a good week to kind of bank that um so yeah I didn't have a, a lot of a lot of stuff ready to go really but but half a kind of sketch piece um on on my sort of immediate reflections of of his tenure and what mm. about for you Jude I mean all the conversations that we had had particularly on here was definitely, I think, looking toward the end of the season, right? We'd got the impression mm -hmm. that there'd been so many sort of beacon results that you could have looked to, to be like, do you know what? That was probably when it, when it turned. Oh no, that was probably when it turned. Well, that was probably when we could have sort of walked away. That it felt as if the end of the season might be a more natural breaking point, perhaps. 
Yeah, I wasn't. I, I hadn't marked Everton to Tottenham two as like the final straw um, at all. It felt like it would have that moment would have come and gone. Um, but I mean, the stuff we put out. I mean, I put out an up after he went, and I think we republished a um, Jose Mourinho's most embarrassing moments at Tottenham or something like that because there've been a few this year. Um, so we had like a fair amount of bits ready to go. Um, but yeah, we weren't really expecting. Because what time did it come out? It came about midday ish, right? Midday. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. odd. I didn't Which was, that. as you said, yeah, different different from how Spurs have usually done it, right? They usually, like, the fact that he apparently didn't know until he was at the training ground, arrived at the training ground, think he was going to train, and then, no, you're not training. You're, you're off home, <laughs> mate. Get your things. No. But we were all so snowed in with stuff that like I, I'd been holding in a Wii all morning. And then as soon as I went and like I checked the Slack app on my phone, it was like, fuck, Jose's gone. Mm. <laughs> Jose's gone. <laughs> really just things were just happening at a monstrous pace. It was unbelievable. It's, it was quite it's quite strange um seeing that unfold at that time. Cause you I guess for most Spurs fans, they kind of fell down. Like we said earlier on, they fell down on the fence one side or the other. But because of the ESL, there wasn't really the chance for it to be in any way tribal or in mm. any way kind of like reacted to. It was just another part of a, of a mad news cycle. Did you mm. feel, Hunter, that it sort of that it landed in any way or that it was very much a case of just kind of so much noise? I mean, Monday Night Football, for example, mm. they didn't spend 30 seconds on it. Yeah, and I wonder if he would have hate, hated that. Um, I mean, the cynic in me, and probably in a lot of Spurs fans' heads, thinks that Daniel Levy waited until the ESL news dropped and threw him there as a sort of PR buffer to be like, look, we've got rid of the guy you don't want. We're in the Super League. And then two, uh, 20 minutes later, the news came that, oh, Tottenham Hot Stadium is now a vaccination point as well. So it's like, here's some bad news. And two lots of good news all very quickly. But I have to say, after that morning of feeling like, God, there's a Super League, Jose, you know, I'm, I'm, I was sort of waning on Jose a long time ago. And and then all, all of a sudden I was sort of like, oh, OK, I got, you know, I'm, I'm back in. I'm, I'm in just when I thought I was out. I'm back in. <laughs> uh, and but the rumours are I'm, I've read so, so, so many articles now, so I don't know which one this is from because <laughs> I've read literally everything from the Guardian Athletic Independent Dan Kilpatrick Tutor I feel God consuming all of it but apparently the decision was made after the two all or so I've read but and and that it was going to be the end of the season but it was pulled forward quite dramatically so you do have to wonder what happened because the two all was just more of the same in my view so I do wonder what what changed on Friday night uh, to, to Monday morning yeah, I mean, I, I have literally, I think that's why it's, it caught people out. Because mm. like we said at the top of the pod, the, the Everton result didn't feel dramatically different really to the to the Newcastle one. Like it didn't, mm. uh, another away game, another Harry Kane brace, mm. and like him taking chances from mistakes, <laughs> as opposed to us perhaps being necessarily massively progressive in any way. Um, but let's roll on to, let's roll on to Tuesday. Because, so Hunter and I, just for a bit of context for the audience, Hunter and I were on our way to do a, a shoot for one of the other sort of companies that we work for. And it was like a really, really exciting shoot that we were on our way to. So sort of picked ourselves up, got cracking, both kind of a bit discombobulated by the the, the whole 
48 hours that had previously gone. And the drive that we were on was about three hours. Mm. And at the start of the drive, no team had pulled out of the ESL. By the end of the drive, I think we we're about seven teams down <laughs> And it, we were in uh, Jurgen Klopp had potentially was it was it was Liverpool playing Leeds that night Hunter or was it was it, no, 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 it was no. on a Tuesday so it, Leeds, it was Brighton, uh, Brighton Brighton Chelsea Brighton Chelsea so mm, yeah. there'd been more teams wearing the, the the t-shirts in the warm up so by the end of this three hours we've gone through this complete one eighty so Hunter yeah do you, do you want to just explain sort of how that dropped for us because you were basically refreshing Twitter again. <laughs> And we were doing an entire <laughs> week worth of news in about five minutes. I was I felt like I was a live newsreader to be honest, sat next <laughs> yeah. to you because you were driving and I was just I was flicking news. through and I was amazing. going I was yeah, because I think I uh who was it who said the cracks were appearing in the morning someone had said the cracks are starting to appear and you sort of you had a feeling that it was gonna be Chelsea. It might have been Ollie. Was it was it Ollie Holt? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think it was. And you had the you had the impression that it was Chelsea and City, and I thought it was because these are the two teams in the Champions League semi-final. They're also two teams who can exist away from a European Super League and still be run by, uh, you know, billionaires who aren't going to ever really be in massive financial trouble. So then the first, before the game, those Chelsea fans go down. I mean, it's a Spurs podcast, but you've got to praise them for going out and, oh, and, and making making their voice heard. And it was it was really impressive. And, you know, they stopped the team bus. You know, it's disruptive. It's, it's not what these these massive football teams want so quite you know props to them so then they hear the news that Chelsea have pulled out that's the first one I think we'd actually stopped at the service station and I was like oh there's oh yeah one's gone and then very like quite soon after that it was right City City are now thinking they're gonna go as well and then it was I mean, then it was a whole load of things. There was rumours that Agnelli had left. There was, um, you know, the United board were falling apart. It was Barcelona on the brink. Oh, Agnelli's <laughs> saying something. Oh, Perez is saying. It was honestly, it oh, was the most Pe- chaotic. Perez talked about saving football. Yeah, he said 16 to 24-year-olds don't like football. That was quite a, a punchy statement. Um, and then... I mean, it was it was amazing. It was the most fun. You know, I have a love hate relationship with Twitter, but it was the most fun that Twitter has been in a long time, probably since <laughs> Wag what, the Wag Gate. Um, oh, it's Rebecca Vardy. It's Rebecca Vardy. God, um, good day that one. To be fair, that, it was probably this was as fun as that. I'd say this was chaos, utter chaos, and watching them all the, the as you said the dominoes fall. It was really beautiful. And then it just got to the point of like, oh God, don't be the last club in it, Spurs. Please don't be <laughs> the last club left in it. Because, um, but then, you know, you heard, you heard that they, the, the English clubs were meeting to make make a, a, a graceful exit together. But it took a while. <laughs> Jude, how, how did you see it play out? I played um I played six aside, so I was out of it for about an hour. It was the most pointless oh, please, six aside game you, as well. Please, can you share what what you said uh, on on our WhatsApp when Hunter was like, "Guys, do you think we ought to pod?" 
I can't, I can't remember. What was it? I'm going to have a look it's now. essentially something along the lines of like, I'm playing Six Aside tonight. I need this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah, I need to clatter into some bastard just to yeah. feel something. Have you got Six Aside, which I fucking need right now? Clattering <laughs> into some poor bastard just to feel something. Oh, dear. I did it about three times as well. But it was the most pointless Six Aside side game we won about 12 nil these lads were just they just generally out of shape and had already played a game that night oh, so we were just going through the motions and we just needed it to end so we could all like check our phones and suddenly like uh i got done by a little bit of um fake news on twitter as well and like because i was knackered i just i just clicked on a link that said levy has resigned uh. <laughs> and it just went it just went to jose's uh the the page on tom's website of jose being sacked but um i i got home like and that? then i you know, you're just saying you're sort of running rings around some nippers on six aside. I bet with some of these Tottenham results recently, you've never been so fit with all the runs they forced you to go on. <laughs> it's actually alarming. I can get up and down quite quite reasonably well now. I need to get back in London to uh, have a little Come go and show on us that. all up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right, so Dan, um, I mean, like chaos in shoes. But in the meantime... Sort of around this time, it's been spoken about 24 hours before, but Ryan Mason is, is confirmed as the man who's going to take Spurs through to the end of the season. Um, did you even get a chance to kind of process that information? Yeah, well, that was Tuesday morning, wasn't it? So, and then the, the dominoes were sort of falling Tuesday night. So, yeah, as I said, I was I was kind of on Spurs on, in in the morning and then didn't pick up the Super League again until until Tuesday afternoon. So... Um, I was able to do, yeah, I was able to do the Mason story. Um, and it's it's kind of one of the, the sort of shames of the timing of all, all this, isn't it? Which is that, you know, it was a, a really feel-good story from the Spurs point of view, like the youngest ever Premier League manager, um, you know, a guy who nearly died on the pitch three years ago, who was genuinely fighting for his life afterwards to kind of make that comeback and, um, you know, manage his boyhood club and, and lead them out against Saints and lead them out, obviously, on Sunday at Wembley, so it was, yeah, it was it was a shame that that all got overlooked, and this kind of shit show of a story was was the only story um, in town while Mason was being announced, and and then equally kind of I'm about to jump ahead again, I'm afraid, but then equally no, like, his um, you know his press conference that afternoon, so Tuesday afternoon, um, you know, it was obviously not dominated by Super League questions, but you know he did have to take, I think. At least four or five, which you know, felt how, did he, un- how did he fare? Well, he he did well actually. He, he just said he he wasn't aware of it, and obviously it had been such a whirlwind twenty four hours. He didn't know the details, and um, he couldn't comment, which seemed a fair enough answer to me. Um, was that supposed to be Levy, Dan, or was that that it, before Mason is announced? Mm. Who was who was supposed to be doing that? The interview. Do you know? I mean, it definitely wasn't going to be Levy previewing the Southampton game. I mean, no. That be, um, <laughs> I mean, that would Gold. be great. I mean, yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're listening to Spurs, then yeah, please. No. <laughs> um, no, I think it was always going to be Mason. They, they just, there was, a, you know, they were, they were, they were kind of getting their ducks in a row in terms of mm. his coaching team and 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 stuff before they sent out the advisory. They hadn't actually announced that he was the interim boss yet. That only said he took. He was going to take Monday session, so I think yeah. it was just a case of waiting for the announcement to drop. Um, and what a coaching team, by the way! Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a great coaching mm. team. I mean, um, 
three black coaches as well. So a majority black coaches, which is, you know, probably a first in the Premier League. I, I don't know. I can't imagine there's many other clubs where, um, you know, the majority are non-white and, and yeah, just, you know, a load of, a load of kind of well-respected guys and all club legends. So, yeah, um, yeah, feel good. Yeah, really feel good. Adding that, I, I think that's so spot on, Dan, as well. Is one of the things that when I looked at the the pictures, I felt such a rush of pride that it was our club that had that level of diversity within the within the coaching staff. Because that's, I mean, as you said, I, I can't think. I don't want to put any other Premier League clubs down, but I can't think of another Premier League club where that's the case. And to feel such mm. a, a warmth towards all of the coaching staff is. Is, is, is so rare, isn't it? Because when, when Jose announced his coaching staff, you're almost kind of like, with the exception of Hunter, who was basically doing ode to... And it turned that. out everyone hated Sacramento. <laughs> everyone hated him. <laughs> everyone thought he was a little pushover as well. No one had any respect for him. Weasel. Oh, he was just a little stats nerd. I got baited <laughs> by the XG. <laughs> man's in the mud. He's in you the mud right now. Uh, oh, no. no one was listening to him. Yeah, I read, I, read, <laughs> I read quite a lot of pieces that said he was not liked within the squad, which, you know, I mean, how the hell would I know that? Um, but yeah. I, it's, it's quite quite a lot of revelations. Uh, that's what I thought was quite interesting. The, the Tuesday, Wednesday pieces where see, people seem to know quite a lot that I imagine they'd been sitting on waiting, but but people seem to know quite a lot about what, what had been going on. Do you think, though, there was an element there of people thinking that they knew a lot, but not able to fully commit to it, you know? And then once you see that the manager's gone and then it's suddenly like, oh, maybe that was accurate. Yeah, I think there's definitely an element of that and you have to keep Jose Mourinho happy, don't you? Like he, he, he is informed about what you'll be writing. <laughs> That's the thing. He'll, he'll know if you've written an article saying this and this and this, and you don't want to chuck anyone under the bus. So, um, yeah, I guess I guess it's a mixture of both. I reckon. There's an element of professionalism as well, right? Yeah, exactly. People are more willing to talk about something when someone's not in charge anymore. Mm. Yeah. Jose's rhetoric had changed a bit in those presses as well. It seemed like he was sending for journalists with the old, um, like, it doesn't matter what I'll say, you guys all... Am I getting that wrong, or did he... he said, no, I think you're right. I think, think things like in, that. In, yeah, I think you're right. And I think in the last couple of weeks, I certainly noticed that, like, we were suddenly a target a lot more. I mean, obviously, the the Solskjaer thing was, was you know, classic deflection... Um, and, and you know, partly at Solskjaer, but it was also kind of you guys are a disgrace for not for not asking this. And you know, I'd certainly, uh, yeah, certainly know that. That's yeah. kind of part of, of of the Jose end game, isn't it? You you take aim at the media for for not being on side, and that seemed to be. I don't think we ever got the ball the full brunt. I mean, he he didn't storm out of any press conferences mm. demanding respect, sadly, but. Um, <laughs> The best children thing- rant is so ridiculous looking back at it now. <laughs> the best thing about that is Solskjaer's son actually came out and said he was well fed, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Which is a lovely little <laughs> lovely little end to that story. Yeah. I suppose that's yeah. one of the things that we can all be kind of almost grateful for though. I, I think I've seen I was looking at some stats earlier on and, and looking at the way Jose Marino's left clubs in the past. How do you think Daniel Levy's acted faster than a lot of other than a lot of other clubs. Mm. Um, 
like in terms of the narrative progression with where Mourinho has left clubs. I think when we as we move into Wednesday, you could see with that Spurs side in the second half that there is certainly enough there. There's certainly enough in that team with six games to go and with the knowledge that West Ham have got to face Chelsea and we've got Leicester at the last game of the season that they potentially, even though it, like it's classic Spurs to leave it till this point, there's an outside shot. Mm. Probably, uh, just, probably disagree with that. I mean, I think... No, no, go for it. I saw, I saw from your face as soon as I said it, I was like, that's absolutely not what Dan thinks. Go on, mate. Well, I think, you know, I feel like maybe... It was so difficult to gauge mood around the club because of the lack of fans. And I think that had a massive impact on, on things. Um, but I actually think, you know, if, if you look at results, they've really been on the steady decline since December, um, along with performances. And I, I kind of agree and disagree with you. I think it's true that Levy acted before it really toxified. Like, I don't think... Mourinho had lost the whole dressing room. In fact, you know, from, from what I hear, he hadn't lost the whole dressing room. There were still quite a lot of players or, or a good handful of players in there who, who were disappointed at the news, who were surprised, who enjoyed his training sessions and he really respected him and wanted, wanted it to work. Um, you know, not least came from, from what I hear. So, and from his message that he put on social media, I thought that was quite... Yeah, funny. so, I mean, it wasn't as if it really toxified, um, but equally, you know, would Levy have been able to persist with Mourinho as long as he did without with supporters in the stadium? I have my doubts that, that he could. I mean, I, I think back to kind of Chelsea at home in February, early February. Um, and I think the atmosphere, that was the third defeat on the bounce after Liverpool and Brighton, wasn't it? And I think the 1-0, yeah. yeah. And I think the atmosphere after that game would have been pretty wretched given the way Spurs played, had, you know, assuming they had played the same way. With, with fans in the stadium. And and I think it, it was able to go on longer than it would have done um, with supporters because there just wasn't any direct pressure on, you know, there was no one shaking the stadium. There was, you know, it was able to just to descend to this kind of drift um, until leave, you know, and, and Levy was able to kind of hope that a corner would be turned and, and Mourinho would be able to, to kind of do what he's never done before and kind of reverse his death spiral. But I don't think... Um, That's really yeah. interesting, Dan. You think that was the, the hope? The hope that there would be a, a change in, in fortunes there? Yeah, I mean, of, of course, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the, there, there were sort of many signs that he, that he might be able to, to turn it around. I mean, that week where um, Palace, Burnley and, and Fulham um, were all beaten... You know, looked like it could be, you know, the start of an, of another really strong run, maybe to the end of the season. And then, you know, as soon as um, Spurs played a team who, who weren't kind of in the in the bottom six or bottom five, you know, in Arsenal, it was it was one of the, the most disappointing performances of the season, and that kind of you know triggered another you know awful run. So um, yeah, I think I think there, there was a kind of constant hope that you know, he would be able to reverse it and. You know, he would be able to either win the cup or, or get in the top four, and then maybe there'd be a, a kind of more amicable face saving departure at the end of the season, which everyone could kind of um, be aligned with a bit more. Jude, how did you feel seeing Ryan Mason walk out, stand in the technical area, 
just kind of overseeing things in the in the first half. We'll ignore the first twenty five minutes because that was just it was. <laughs> it almost should have been like, five 0 down. <laughs> <laughs> it was almost like um, a little bit of shell shock there. Wasn't yeah, it? it was. Yeah, I, that was just quite a nice shot in the arm um, of as as you say of pride because uh, just uh, the last last year or so probably become more and more detached as fans to Tottenham just. You know, with how how performances have been, especially recently, and um, you know, just sort of regardless of how he he does in these last few games, it is just it's it's just a lovely story, and it, it did get brushed under the the carpet, so to so to speak, with all that Super League nonsense. But um, it was it it was it was fabulous to see that um, that he got that wee promotion till the end of the year. Mm. Have we got any learnings to take from the? from the first half. Uh, is anyone thinking there's stuff to be learned there or, or do we think that that was actually like, it's, it's all my case, like, listen, write that off. That that was a, a weird and crazy few days and it's almost unfair to expect Spurs to come out and know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to say the latter. If you look at the performances of the other Super League clubs, it clearly impacted uh, the players, what was happening. Um and Southampton had sort of underperformed in their FA Cup uh, semi-final. So I feel like they, they came out swinging. They ran themselves ragged. Danny Ings goes off injured. You know, they really, they, you, you look at the legwork they put in that first half. They were, they were, they were impressive. They were good. They clearly had been told to go out and blow Spurs off because they're going to be, they've just lost their manager. These, they, <laughs> we they, can't they, let that go. We yeah. absolutely <laughs> cannot let. They've been told to go out and blow Spurs up. <laughs> <laughs> they've lost their manager. They pretend, you know, this European Super League will have disrupted what's happening. They'll be trying a couple of things that they haven't tried for two years because let's be honest, there were glimpses of what Pochettino liked to do in that performance last night, although it, it was glimpses. Um, so, you know, I think the first 25 minutes was just a combination of lots of things. We rode it out. We rode our luck. We really, really rode our luck. That How that Shea Adams rolly doesn't go in is, I mean, it's a good save, but really he mm. puts it, he puts it, what, three inches to the left and it hits Luis's sort of the edge of his uh, hip and goes in. So they get in at half time and, and clearly... I think the message would have been more of the same. I don't think we stopped trying to play. You know, we were pressing. We were trying to get Regulon in quite often. Everything seemed to be going through Regulon, to be honest. Um, and and But at times, we'd managed to play up from the back. And then we were playing a high line and winning the ball back quite quite uh, efficiently. And I, I just think we'd, we became more comfortable with it as the game went on. I didn't think, I, th- I thought we played much better in the second half, played with much higher tempo, but I think that was partly because Southampton sort of fell away. But I was just, I was proud of watching that sort of football. I've, I enjoyed it. Dan, did you see the fact that um, when we were in possession, Gareth Bale was hugging the touchline? Did you see him sort of like standing almost 50 yards away from the play? Yeah, um, him and Son were were kind of quite wide, weren't they? And then occasionally, occasionally rotating um, between the front three. I mean, if there was one thing that I thought Mason should have done differently, it was maybe put Son through the middle, just just on the basis that he scored four against Saints at um, St Mary's and 
and presumably the defenders would, would have been pretty terrified of him um, getting in behind. And I think that might have, that might have, uh, yeah, been, been to Spurs' advantage. But, um, you know, obviously um, it, it worked in the end. And I thought, you know, the best move of the game was the move for the disallowed goal by oh, yeah. Um yeah, That was, down. that was really nice. Um, yeah, I, I think, look, Saints were properly in free fall. I think they've lost kind of 12 or 15 in the league now. Um, they lost the FA Cup semi-final as well. They're really, really struggling. So Only nine points above Fulham. Yeah, with wow. their, I mean, there you go. And they made, and they were top of the table in November. So, I mean, that, that tells you everything you need to know, really. So, you know, they, they've, had a, they've, had a, they've had a wretched run um, for, for a long time now. Um, so, you know, on that basis, we, we shouldn't, get carried away but I think you know the two things were really encouraging I mean firstly was the fact that you know Mason clearly made an impact and, and Bale kind of came out and said that you know it was a good team talk you know that bodes very well for, for the rest of the season and I just I think the fact that, that the players didn't let Son's disallow goal kind of get them down because um, you know we know this this team's had problems responding to setbacks and VAR setbacks as well. Um, in the past, they've tended to kind of let them crush them and, and then really go off the rails. But they, they kept going and I thought it was it was a pretty deserved win based on the second half performance. Um, and, and obviously there was there was kind of two penalties, blatant penalties at the end, weren't there? It was just kind of a question of which one the VAR was going to get. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, it was, um, I think it was encouraging in those respects. I have to say it was really... Um... It was nice to see Spurs score and really feel it. And I know we're going to get it more, obviously, Jude, because Ryan Mason's the guy in 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 the dugout. But I, there was a, when we scored, I was sort of quite tragic. It was always quite guttural. My <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we've heard it. So uh, <laughs> like, like, we know exactly what you mean. Madman, but it like I think that sort mm. of I think that's quite telling. There's a, like a lot of pent up. Uh, I think for a lot of Spurs fans, there's a lot of pent up emotion that they've been wanting to use for a while, and they finally might have an outlet for it now. Yeah, exactly. I think um, you still bottle up all that energy when when things become a bit more ap- apathetic, um, and you know it's, it's gonna. It always wants to come out at some point, and I just think with with a story like Ryan Mason's, it's it just it does make it that even bit more special. Um, because he like even in that press at the other on on Tuesday, he just seemed like such a lovely bloke, and I think he he might have said setting the team up to win a game of football about fifty times, but he genuinely he just seemed like like a, a, a spot on lad, and yeah, it just it was it was just awesome. Um, mm. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just overwhelmed with emotion right now, so I'm not really sure what to say. <laughs> it's been it's been hard to sort of I don't know hard to commit to Spurs emotionally over the last year I'd say you know with a lot of changes you know people not people dropping out of the squad arguments sort of not fans not being able to be in the stadium you know not being able to go and watch it with your mates not being so all of those things and then to have this come along it just is it's an easy way of reconnecting with the club you know we've got a cup final on Sunday we have a boyhood player and fan as the manager who wants to play a way that I think majority of the Spurs fan base would be on board with. It's a, I don't, 
I just think it's a. I don't, I'm not going to call it a clever move by the club because I think it should have happened months ago, personally. But it's it's nice, and it's it's it's. Well, you can see all of the, all of the rumors now are Spurs want a manager who plays progressive, uh, possession based football who can who can bring pr- players on, and the only gut wrenching thing about that is you fired the best one of them in the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. I think I think even now looking at who the rumors are, you know Eric Ten Hag and Nagelsmann and and even Graham Potter's names starting to appear a little bit more frequently now. I could get on board with any of those, and I think Ryan Mason should stay involved, whatever happens, because it's a bit like a Duncan Ferguson at this point. Do you know what I mean? I think <laughs> the players probably quite like him. I suppose the only the only thing I, I, I'd add to that, Hunter, is that it was really nice seeing Spurs fans again. Twitter is no barometer to mm. measure anything by, but seeing Spurs fans actually unified and united behind one point of view, I mean, it has not been that way for yeah, it's, yeah. it's genuinely years. I like, tweeted, I, think... I tweeted something similar. I think I said it's going to be strange in the cup final that Spurs fans will be behind the manager one hundred percent, and I said I think it's probably since the Champions League final. And even then, people were moaning about Kane being involved. Do you remember six six months previous to that, people were sort of complaining about the way in which we were going about games and stuff? Like, Mm. there's only positive that there can only be positive thought towards Ryan Mason. And I suppose we should talk about that, the the cup final now. I mean, Mm. the one thing that I, I think you touched on it, Dan, that you said that you would have liked to see Son through the middle, there was a little part of me that wondered whether that we were setting up the way in which we're going to play in the cup final with the knowledge that a certain bloke will have to have about 15 injections in his ankle, but will definitely, definitely start up top. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that because obviously Roden wasn't in the squad and a lot of people were pointing out that he's he's cup-tied. And, and, and so that would make sense to me if you, you kind of had one just rehearsal for the final with, with the team that's probably going to play. Um, and it's kind of easy to imagine... That team with came for for Lucas, as, as you said. So, yeah, that that would definitely make sense to me. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows about Kane? I mean, on the one hand, I really, from kind of a Spurs and England point of view, you know, the idea of him being rushed back from an ankle injury is is kind of quite grim, isn't it? But I mean, on the other hand, it, it's clearly not quite. You know, it's clearly not as bad as the the other ones. You know, the ligament damage. It, it seems to be more in line with the the one he, he did against Liverpool um, that kept him out for kind of, what, two and a half games. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it would be, it kind of feels like a blessing that, that Everton was sort of Friday night and not sort of Sunday evening, doesn't it? Because it's given them that yeah. 48 hours extra. But, yeah, I mean, who knows? It's, it sounds like, you know, Mason's just kind of said day by day, isn't he? So he could he could kind of rule him out tomorrow afternoon, but I suspect he'll, he'll kind of, um, yeah, he'll, he'll keep kind of, hanging on to, to the hope that he could kind of pop up on, on Saturday at training and, and just just do a job for, for an hour. The, the rumours today were that he was, in quotation marks, winning the race to be available oh, for, yeah, uh, lovely. for Sunday. So, you know, knowing Kane, he's probably been like sleeping in some kind of yeah, they've shot him into space for a week. Of yeah, just... so I mean, I'm sure he's, he's doing absolutely everything. And... How many injections do you think he'll be having between yeah. now and Sunday? I, mean, you've I got can't feel my legs, Gaffer. Get him on. Yeah, 
<laughs> wheel him, him on. You've got to imagine him kind of thinking of the Euros, though, don't you? Like, yeah, well, exactly. Um, so, yeah. Mm. That is, I, do you know what? I can the sort of collective thought that I know everyone's having exactly the same. It's like, oh, not again, yeah. not again. <laughs> How many Just... more times we do this with Harry Kane? But equally, we all know that there is no scenario in our minds on Sunday afternoon where if Harry Kane is 75% fit, that he's not directly behind Hugo Lloris walking out onto that pitch. Yeah, it's just whether it's just whether it's good for him. <laughs> the, the worry is like, is it? Can his ankles take it? That's you know because as soon as one ankle's damaged and you start putting more strain on the other ankle, and we already know what the ankles are, it just worry it worries me. And also, I just feel so, I feel really bad for Kane in that it's it's another final that he's just regardless if he's there on Sunday, he's not one hundred percent fit, is he? Otherwise, we'd we'd probably know about that by now. I just feel like it's a shame. His two finals in the last couple of years, he's going to be coming into them on on injuries. I just think it's a it's a damn shame, mm. the yeah, lad. Someone mm. in wonderful form as well. Yeah, yeah. I think. Do you know what? Looking forward to Sun. I'm actually looking forward to Sunday now, and I wasn't massively before. Of course, I was going to watch it. Of course, I was going to support the club massively, but. With Ryan Mason in charge, I just it just feel, there's a different feeling to it all now, and that might just be in my own head. Um, but with City having to play their Champions League semi final, and let's be honest, if, if if it's winning the Carabao Cup or getting to the Champions League semi uh, Ch- Champions League final, you know which one they're gonna that they're gonna prioritize. That can only work in our favour. I know I'm getting myself all worked up now, but I think I think no, we, we stand a good chance on Sunday. The, the fact that you are, it, it means that you are allowing yourself to get suck, sucked in again, which is great, which is where we all wanted to be, right? Everyone just just wanted to really, really care about whatever was going to happen. And I know this weekend, if we lose, I'll be gutted. If we mm. win, I'll be elated. And that's that's what it's about. There's no point in being there if it's not going to be one of those two. Mm. And the fact that we've started the pod with, like seventy five percent of the uh, contributors not even being able to watch the game, and we're going to finish the pod with everyone desperate for Spurs to win a cup final. Just kind of, I think, is a good metaphor for how this week is week has played out. So um, that's that's pretty much like all we've got time for. Unless anyone wanted to add anything else in that I've missed, I just don't know if we can leave without saying that the the apologies from some of these clubs the ESG including our own have been really really underwhelming and we're almost to the point of saying we're sorry if you got offended we're sorry that if you didn't think that our Super League was good for football (laughs) Uh, and and, uh, I I don't know just as Spurs fans you know we'll Spurs journalists as well will work within it I just think I don't think the Enoch, the Enoch Levy out crowd are going to go away particularly soon. It does feel like the movements are going to get bigger and bigger over the next, over the next few months. Um, you know, Daniel Levy and co would argue they've done amazing things for Spurs. And if you look at it as a business, they have, but if you look at it as from the fans perspective, there's a lot, there's a lot that still needs to be done to be considered one of the top 10 teams in the world, which is what Spurs, according to Forbes, that's what Spurs are. <laughs> Yeah, and no, I mean, no, no better uh, example of that than Mr. Perez once again, who, mm-hmm. uh, as of to finish up, 
as of Thursday today, is still clinging on. Oh my God, this guy. With three teams left. It's so (laughs) bad. You got clubs like Real who just run themselves into the ground and then they're like, oh, love me. I need a little bit of money. (laughs) Pathetic. (laughs) (laughs) Just that. I mean, this last week has been mad. But um, look, looking forward to Sunday. We'll see Mm. you all on Monday. I would love it so much if we're sitting here talking about a Spurs win that Ryan Mason's led us to. With Harry Kane having spent 80 minutes on the bench and then come on as a super sub to win it in like the 90th minute, 1-0. <laughs> Alan Nielsen style, grubby game. <laughs> no, what is happening. it? Petacek punching it into Woodgate's <laughs> head. <laughs> I'll take anything. I'll take and anything, yeah. Anything. I think it'll be funnier if it, if it, if it's like that. If it's like uh, off your ente's ass slash hand, yeah. and then Bring Raheem Sterling is the day. Yeah. There must be VAR. Come on, VAR. loves us, VC. One thing we can guarantee for this Sunday: if you're if you're a betting man, stick a tenner on on City getting a penalty, and then stick another tenner on them missing it. Because that seems to be the sort of bread and butter at the moment. Ideally, because of some sort of infraction through VAR. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. I'm excited. Fab. Ready to get hurt again. Mm, Exactly. Exactly. Once more. (laughs) Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much uh, for today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Yeah. Thank you to all of you who got in touch and and tweeted us. There's lots of lovely comments this week that uh, I know we replied to a few on the on the the Twitter account, but we'll make sure we do some more of that as well. If you have just found our pod and you'd like to subscribe, it would be very much appreciated. And if you wouldn't mind leaving a star review, we'll take any reviews, you know, you can literally, I'm not, not fussy, literally any stars that you want to give us, we'll take them gladly. Have a great weekend and we'll speak to you all on Monday. What a feeling, what a night. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.